0: And uh, God is up to some great things. How many of you believe the Spirit of the Lord is doing something fresh in the earth today? That there is a move of God that literally is happening and we have the joy and the honor of being a part of that. And uh, and let me just challenge you with something. There's a great message entitled, Run to the Roar. You ought to Google that or YouTube it, Run to the Roar. Uh, And it is a great message because the idea is simply this. The guy goes in, to a great illustration of really breaking down some of the greatest revivals that have ever happened in our nation. And one of the things that he said that is powerful is that most of the time when a revival or a mighty move of God was happening, the people that were in the midst of that culture didn't realize it was a revival. <laughs> He said God was doing something spontaneous and unique in many different places. And he said it was typically after the revival ended that people looked back and they saw this mighty move of God that was happening in unique places and in the hearts of people. And I believe this, I believe that we are in the midst of a move of God. I believe that God is moving by His Spirit and that the breath of revival is on us. And that all we have to do is get up every day and say, God, I want to be a part of what you're doing today. I want, to be, I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I want to be a part of winning souls, making disciples, destroying the works of the devil. I want to be a part of seeing your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if we would just get up every day with that heart, then guess what? I believe we can look back in 20 years and we'll say, you know what? We were in the middle of a revival. And not only were we were in the middle of it, I believe God's called Liberty Church to be a hub of revival in our community, in our nation, that we would be a spirit head and a spark that would catalyst the move of God into our community, and into our world. And that means that me and you simply just have to do what God has created and called us to do. And that's why I'm excited about today's message. I'm excited about this series that we began last Sunday entitled Shaped by God because I believe the greatest thing that could ever happen in your life and in my life is that we could understand our divine identity and then therefore understand our divine purpose. Once you know who you are in Christ, then you can begin to do what you were created to do. And I made the statement last week that your purpose is not out there. Your purpose is not a task that you perform. Your purpose is an identity in Christ that you discover. And when you begin to live from who you are... The life that God has called you to live, all of a sudden you begin to walk in the divine purpose that God has for your life. And what is exciting to me about that revelation is that uh, I am uniquely created by God for His purpose. And you are uniquely created by God for His purpose. And we get to come out of something. We talked about it last week. We get to come out of the comparison trap. Right, We don't have to compare ourselves to other people. Why? Because we have been fearfully and wonderfully made. And my goal in life is not to be as good as you or better than you. My goal in life is to be the fullest version of who God made me to be and live my life to my fullest potential. And that should be your heartbeat today, that you and I would get liberated from comparing ourselves among ourselves and we would stop complaining about what we don't have and what we can't do and we would start celebrating the unique expression of God's glory that has been divinely deposited in our lives. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Can I get an amen from somebody today? So this morning, look with me in Psalms 139, verse 13 and 14. The Bible says this, the apostle, or excuse me, the psalmist David said, For you formed my inward parts, and you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows Very well. Let's just recap a couple thoughts from last week. We said we are shaped by God. We have a divine DNA. Our bodies, our souls, and our spirits have been uniquely shaped by the Lord. You are not an accident. Can I get an amen? Amen. You're not an accident. Your mom and dad may not have planned you, but God did. Your mom and dad might have said, oops, we didn't see that coming, but God saw you coming. Come on, somebody. You were on his radar. He formed and fashioned you before the creation and foundations of time. And you are not an accident. You were created for a purpose. You were created on purpose for a purpose. We said it like this last week. We said you were made by God and you were made for God. You were made by God, and you were made for God. And we recognized something last week, that when we come under the banner of the Lordship of Jesus Christ, I was made by God, I was made for God, and when I live under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, it is then and only then that the fullness of who God has created us to be can be Express into the world. It's under the Lordship of Jesus Christ that my true identity and ultimately my purpose is expressed into the world so that the world can begin to see the glory of God that has been tied up and divinely Deposited in my life and in your life. You literally have the thumbprint of God upon your life He has marked you with his glory and he has created you for his purpose We said last week that not only do we need to recognize that, but we need to understand that our shape for life and ministry is important because there's no one that can do what you can do in the way that you will do it. I love that. I love the fact that there's no one that can do what you can do the way you will do it. Two people can do the same job, check off the same checklist, follow the same model and same formula, but two people will never do it exactly the same Why? because none of us are just alike. And you have that unique expression to serve God, to live for God, to glorify God in a way that no one else on planet earth can do. There is no one that can live for Jesus the way that you can live for Jesus. Because you are a unique expression of the very heart and purpose of God. So, today let's look at our next point. Our first point for this week. So your divine shape. Your divine shape can be dis- discovered through five specific attributes. The word shape gives us an acronym to easily remember that we are shaped by God. Your divine shape can be discovered through five attributes. Over the next two weeks, today and next Sunday, we're going to look at five attributes or characteristics of your life using the word shape because you have been shaped by God. S-H-A-P-E. You have been divinely shaped by the Lord. And each of these attributes reveal a unique expression of who God is on the inside of you. You were born for His glory. You were created for His glory. You were made by God and for God so that your life could make a difference. And I want to encourage you today, if you feel like you're spinning your wheels, if you feel like you're just going through the motions, if you feel like you're just punching in and punching out at the end of the hard days of work, and you're just doing the things you have to do, and you have no purpose and no identity and who you are and how you're living your life, I want to challenge you. Grab hold of the truths of this series. Grab hold of the truths of Scripture that we're going to talk about over the next couple weeks, because you're going to see some things to help you understand that you're not accidentally created. You are are divinely created for the purpose of God. So let's talk about the first two letters out of the word shape today. The first letter is S, and the letter S is for spiritual gifts. There are three kinds of spiritual gifts that are described or defined in the Bible, and I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but the Bible talks about there are the gifts that come from the Father, there are the gifts that come from the Son. And there are the gifts that come from the Holy Spirit, right? So we recognize something. We recognize that God is one, but He reveals Himself as the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And when you read the Scripture, you find out that specifically God the Father gives gifts, God the Son gives gifts, and God the Holy Spirit gives gifts. And what we're going to see is that all of those gifts are spiritual, supernatural gifts that have been given to us by God so that we can serve God. Can I get an amen from somebody today? So let's look in Romans chapter 12, and let's talk about the gifts of the Father. Romans 12, verse 6 through 8, it says, In His grace, God, and I just put in parentheses the Father, has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. I want to stop right there. God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So you have been gifted by God the Father so that you can do certain things well. Last week we talked about the fact that David said, God, you have covered me in my mother's womb. The word literally means to be fenced in. And we made this statement last week. We said that you have God-given limits. You have God-given limits, but your limits don't limit you. Your limits define you. They define who you are. And they define the purpose and the plan that God has created for your life. And here's the challenge. The challenge is don't spend the rest of your life trying to be something and do something you were never created to do. The challenge is don't spend the rest of your life trying to open a door of opportunity that was never intended to be opened for your life. To me, one of the greatest tragedies I see is people trying to live outside the parameter of God's purpose for their life. And they spend time and they spend energy and they spend effort pursuing things that they really weren't created to do. We said last week our goal is not to improve in the area of our weaknesses. Our goal is to improve in the area of our strengths. We want to capitalize on the gifts that God has given us. And we want to recognize that God has given us different gifts... So we can do certain things well. See, the truth is there are some things you should never do. (laughs) And there are some things that you do very well. And those are the gifts of God. Amen? So the Bible goes on, the Apostle Paul, and gives us some explanation of those gifts. He says, so if God has given you the ability to prophesy, then speak out with as much faith as God has given you. And if your gift is serving others, then serve them well. And if you're a teacher, then teach well. And if your gift is to encourage others, then be encouraging. And if it is giving, then give well. Generously, I want to stop right there because I want to just thank you because I believe I pastor North Alabama's most generous church. I want to just thank you guys. Last week, uh, we kind of wrapped up our giving and our generosity toward the Ukrainian church and toward helping to adopt a family. And it's not too late to give, but we kind of promoted it for a couple weeks. And at the end of last Sunday's wrap-up of the whole service, uh, by Monday morning, let me give you a praise report, we had over $30,000. Donated, come on somebody, over thirty thousand dollars donated to help the families that are evacuating from Ukraine, going into Romania, and we're going to adopt those families, and we're going to support them, and we're going to help them as they work through the process of recovery and restoration. And we're going to continue to pray that God would intervene in that situation, that they can be restored. Now, if you want to give and you didn't get to give, you can continue to give, and you can give today, and you can give this week. But I just wanted to give you a little praise report that when you give, the Bible says you give generously. How many are thankful for the gift of giving? I'm thankful that we have the gift of giving an operation here in the body of Christ. Because here's the revelation. Everybody can't do everything, but everybody can do something. And we all get to be a part of using the gifts that God has given us to make a difference in other people's lives. He goes on and he says, if God has given you leadership ability, then take it seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. And then in Ephesians 4, he goes into talking about the gifts that Jesus gives. Look what it says. And there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. Or, excuse me. He says, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. Here's the gifts that Jesus gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. These are gifts that God has given. Pastoral ministry is a gift. Apostolic ministry is a gift. Prophetic ministry is a gift. The teaching ministry is a gift. And we've all seen people operating in these gifts. Amen. And I'm so thankful today for the gifts of God. Now look at 1 Corinthians 12. He says, now there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit, these are the gifts of the spirit, are the source of them all. And there are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. And God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. Look at verse 7. And a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. And a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other, whether it's a gift from the Father, a gift from the Son, or a gift from the Holy Spirit. The gifts of God are given so we can help one another. Verse 8, to one person the Spirit gives, gives the ability to give wise advice. It's called the word of wisdom. To another the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge or a word of knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another the gift of faith. And to someone else the Spirit gives the gifts of healing. And he gives one person the power to perform miracles, the other the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. And still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. Verse 11, And it is the one and only Spirit, It is the one and only spirit who distributes these gifts and he alone decides which gift each person should have. And he alone decides which gift each person should have. Why? Because you are gifted according to your purpose. And God has given you gifts so you can do certain things well. Look at that next point. So God has given us, God has given you spiritual gifts to help others. These gifts are supernatural. You didn't earn or learn these gifts. You didn't earn it and you didn't learn it. It's a gift from God, but you and I have the responsibility to steward the gifts for the purposes of God. The gifts of God that have been given to you have been given to you so you can help other people, and they are supernatural gifts, whether it's the gift of the Father, the gift of the Son, or the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you didn't earn it, and you didn't learn it, but you do have to steward it. Let's talk about you didn't earn it for a second, or you didn't even learn it. Have you ever been around a bunch of kindergartners? You ever been in a little group of kids about four, five, six years old? You know what will happen? You get in a group of kindergartners, and you can tell who has the gift of leadership. We call them bossy. (laughs) Because that little bossy spirit when you're five years old has to be submitted to the Holy Spirit so that when you're 25 years old, you're still not bossing people. You actually have learned how to lead people. But you can see it. You can see those gifts. You can see the gift of service. You can see the gift of helps. You can see the gift of encouragement. You can even see the prophetic gift of God as we're having even children in our church that are having dreams and visions that are prophetic from the hand of the Lord. And you see it in in children. It's amazing. Why? Because you didn't earn it and you didn't learn it. It's a gift from God. And every person in this room has gifts from God on the inside of them. You have been gifted by God. God. And if you're born again, then you have the ability through the leadership of the Holy Spirit to express the gifts of God in a way that connects you to the purpose of God for your life. So you didn't earn it and you didn't learn it, but you received it. John Maxwell, many of you know he's kind of one of my little heroes in the faith, and I love John Maxwell. John Maxwell tells the story about the first time he spoke, into a, spoke to a crowd of thousands of people. And he said he spoke that day. And when he got done speaking, they gave him a standing ovation. He said the entire crowd, thousands of people stood to their feet, gave him a standing ovation. He said behind the curtain on the backstage was one of his mentors. He said when I walked off the stage, my mentor greeted me as I left the stage. And he turned me around and he pointed out there to the crowd. And he said, John, do you see that standing ovation? And he said, yeah, I see it. And then he said this. He said, they're applauding your gift. They're not applauding you. They're applauding your gift. They're not applauding you. He said, and then my mentor began to tell me that if I didn't learn in that moment to distinguish the difference between the gift that God had given me that I didn't earn or learn and the person that I was in my own flesh and my own ability, if I did not distinguish the difference between the gift of God and my life, he said, then what was intended to bless me would ultimately destroy me. Because this little thing called pride would slip into my life and I would begin to think they were applauding me. Instead of applauding the gift of God that was within me. So you have a gift. You didn't earn it. You didn't learn it. So guess what? You can't take credit for it. But you can give glory to God. You can, you can reflect the praise right on up to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because you didn't earn it. And you didn't learn it. Yes, you've got to steward that gift. And yes, you've got to cultivate that gift. And yes, you can grow in that gift. But at the end of the day, the source of the gift of God in your life is God, not you. And if we're not careful, we'll allow the gift to give place to pride and rob us of the purpose that God intended us to live in. Proverbs 18, verse 16 is a great scripture. It says, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. I love that statement. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. One of the best ways to identify your gifts is ask yourself this question, what doors have my gift opened up for me? A man's gift makes room for him. You know what your gift will do? Your gift will open doors of opportunity for you. Your gift will open doors of employment for you. Your gift will open doors of service for you. Your gift will open doors of ministry for you. Your gift will open doors of relationships and connections and divine appointments. God will take the gift that he put in you and that man's gift, your gift, will make room for you. And here's the good news. The Bible says it will bring you before great Man, God wants to promote you. God wants to elevate you. God wants to prosper you. But I want you to hear this, and I wrote it down so I wouldn't mess it up. This is what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, Keith, success, fame, and fortune are the results of helping people. God gave us spiritual gifts so we could help one another another. Success, fame, and fortune are really the results of helping people. Mike Murdoch, a guy that I used to listen to a lot, he made a great statement that stuck in my heart. He said this, he said, when you die, he said, when you die, you'll be remembered for two things. You'll be remembered for the problems you created and the problems you solved. When you die, you'll be remembered for the problems you created and the problems you solved. And then he went on to say, and he said, and while you live, you will be rewarded For the problems you solve. Success, fame, and fortune are the results of helping people. And the more you help people, the more successful you'll be. The more you add value to people, the more successful you'll be. The more you meet needs and solve problems in other people's lives, the more successful you will be. And your gift will make room for you. And it will bring you before great people. But I want to read the rest of the statement the Holy Spirit gave me. He said, so success, fame, and fortune are the results of helping people. But the purpose of God's gift, listen to this, the purpose of God's gift in your life is not to make you famous. The purpose of God's gift in your life is not to make you famous. It's to make you helpful and impactful in the lives of other people. We live in a social media world where everybody is climbing and clawing and pushing and posting their way to fame. And I want to be famous, and I want to be a social uh, media influencer, and I want to touch the world with my brand and my image and my ideas. I want to tell you today, you can have social media influence and never really have impact in changing the lives of people. Because the purpose of the gift of God is God's not interested in making you famous. But God wants you to be helpful. And God wants your life to be impactful. So that the world is changed because of you. Success, fame, and fortune are the results of helping people. But it's not the purpose of the gift. And we have to distinguish that. Because if we don't distinguish it, then we will... We will monetize our gifting for our glory instead of for His. And the world is full of celebrities who have found fortune and fame monetizing their gift for their glory. But they've missed the purpose of God. And what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? So we've got to remember the purpose of our gift. Look at that next point. So you are gifted according to God's purpose for your life. Spiritual gifts are the tools that define your divine shape. They are the tools that Define your your divine shape. 2 Timothy 1 verse 9, speaking of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. We didn't earn it. But according to His own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. God gifted you according to His purpose for your life. And spiritual gifts are the tools of the trade. It doesn't matter what your occupation or vocation is. Every trade has tools, right? If you're a pastor, there are some tools of the trade. If you're a construction worker, there are some tools of the trade. If you're in the medical field, there are some tools of the trade. If you're on the worship team, there are some tools of the trade. And you can kind of understand your trade by looking at your tools. The tools that you use on a daily basis actually define the shape of the mission and the vision that God has for your life. And when you begin to recognize that your spiritual gifts are the tools of your trade, that God has gifted you because God has fashioned you for His purpose to bring Him glory. Amen? So let's look at that next letter. The second letter of the word shape is H. And the letter H stands for heart. God has given you a unique and divine heart or a passion that sets you apart. God has given you a heart. He's given you a passion. There is a unique heart and a unique passion that burns in your soul and that is part of your divine shape. I love what the scripture says. Proverbs 18:1 King James Version. I love this reading. It says, "Through desire A man having separated himself seeks and intermingles with all wisdom. Through desire, it's the desire of our heart that separates us. It's the passion of our heart that distinguishes us from all the other people on the planet. And this is what what I know about you. You have a passion to do things. There are some things you get passionate about. There are some things you get excited about. There are some things that stir you up on the inside. And not only you passion to do things, but you also have a passion for people. Yes. Think about it. There are some people that have this passion, this heart for kids. And then there are other people that say, Pastor Keith put me anywhere in the church except with the kids, right? How <laughs> many y'all thankful for the people that have a heart for kids? Come on, somebody. Yes. Praise God for those people. But you've got a passion not only to do things, you've a passion for people. Maybe you've got a passion for kids. Maybe you've got a passion for youth. Maybe you've got a passion for adults. Maybe you've got a passion for singles. Maybe you've got a passion for the homeless. Maybe you've got a passion for the addicted. Maybe you've got a passion for marriages that are struggling, couples that are struggling just to get through life. I don't know what your passion is, but I know you've got one. And you're passionate not only about doing certain things, but you're also passionate about helping certain groups of people. And it's not that you can't help others, but there is a burning passion in your heart to make a difference in a specific category of people's lives. Because you've been divinely shaped by the Lord. And for every person in this room, there is a unique passion that makes your heart Divinely shaped by God to fulfill His purpose. Look at that next point. Your heart, your passion separates you for the purpose of God. It enables you to live an extraordinary life for Jesus Christ. It enables you to live an extraordinary life for Jesus Christ. Think about this for just a second. I'm smart enough to know this. Let me tell you what I'm smart enough to know. I'm smart enough to know that when people do something that they're good at, then they excel at it. When people do something not only that they're good at, but they actually do something that they have a heart to do, they excel in that area. See, it is your divine shape and your unique heart and passion that God has given you to set you apart so you can live an extraordinary life. You were not created to fit in. You were created to stand out for the glory of God. You were created to stand out for His glory. So think about the heart and the passion that you have. Think about the things that excite you and stir you up. And think about the fact that God has given you not only gifts, but He's given you a heart and a passion to do the things that you've been called to do. I use this illustration all the time because we can all relate to it. If you've ever been to a restaurant and you've had a waiter that didn't want to be a waiter, everybody knew it. Especially your empty tea glass. But if you've ever been to a restaurant and had a waiter that wanted to be a waiter and they loved it, you know what? Everybody knew it too, including that generous tip that you left at the end of the meal because they had a passion to do what they were doing. Now, let me just say this. If I'm smart enough to realize that and you're smart enough to realize that, there's no doubt God's smart enough to realize that. Let me tell you one of the lies that people believe. I can't tell you how many people over the years I've talked to that have this idea that if I really surrender my heart to the Lord and I really submit to what God has for my life, then I'm going to be miserable because God's going to make me do things I don't want to do. He's going to make me go places I don't want to go. And he's going to make me serve and minister to people that I don't want to minister to. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. When you submit and surrender to the will of God, does that mean there won't be hard days? No, there'll be hard days. Does that mean there won't be difficult challenges? Yes, there'll be difficult challenges. But this is what I know about God. God has gifted you, and God has given you a heart and a passion to do the thing He's called you to do. And the realization is, is when you surrender your life to the purpose of God, it's not about stepping into this life that's going to make you miserable. It's actually about stepping into the greatest joy you'll ever experience. As a matter of fact, look at the rest of that statement. Your divine shape releases joy because it allows you to tap into your creative purpose. It allows you to tap into your creative purpose. Several years ago, a long time ago, actually, we were in the downtown campus. And uh, one Sunday after church, a guy's name was Robert. Robert was a farmer. And he came up to me and he said, Pastor Keith, he said, do you know why I love to hear you preach? And I said, no, why, Robert? Why do you like to hear me preach? He said, well, because you're passionate about the gospel And I feel like when you're up there preaching, you really are enjoying yourself and having fun. And I said, I love it. I love preaching the gospel. And then he said this to me. He said, I want you to know that how you feel while you're preaching is exactly how I feel when I'm on the tractor belling hay. He said, the same joy that I see in you up there preaching is the same joy I feel when I'm sitting on that tractor and I'm bailing the hay or I'm feeding the cows or I'm growing the crops. He said, I have a passion. I feel such a joy when I'm doing that thing. How many are glad that God has given people a passion to grow us food so we can all eat? Can I get an amen for all the farmers out there? About five years ago, I met with a lawyer in our town, and we were eating lunch, and he said, Pastor Keith, he said, I want you to know, he said, the same, the same way that you feel like God has called you to be a pastor, he said, I feel called to be a lawyer. And he said, he said I get so excited about being able to help people. And help people find their way back on the path and help to redirect people toward the purpose that God has for them. He said, and just like you feel called to be a pastor, I feel called to be a lawyer. Because he had a heart and a passion to help people through law. And one of my favorite heroes in the faith is a guy by the name of Eric Little. Eric Little was a missionary to China. Eric Little also won a gold medal in the Olympics. And if you've ever seen the movie Chariots of Fire, you ought to watch it again. It's a great movie. And my favorite quote from the entire movie is Eric Little, who's going to be a missionary to China, is talking with his sister, and his sister is challenging him because she feels like he's kind of wasting time in the Olympics when he should be headed to China and preaching the gospel. And and, and she's challenging that thought that he's over here doing this thing that's really not according to his purpose and his plan. And and Eric Little looks at his sister and he he says, I'm going to give my life to China, and I'm going to give my life to preaching and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, and I know that God has called me to be a missionary. And then he said this, but I know that God also made me fast. And then he says my favorite quote from the whole movie. He says, and when I run, I feel the pleasure of the Lord. When I run, I feel his pleasure. Now, you guys know I've been running for a while, and I have yet to feel the pleasure of the Lord. (laughs) It's definitely not my calling or my gift. But I am so thankful That God made us unique and different. And I'm so thankful that the way to tapping into the most joyful life you can live is tapping into the creative purpose of God in your life. Your shape and your heart define you your spiritual gifts and your passion for life define who you are in Christ and God's not calling you to do something that's going to make you miserable God is calling you to do something that's going to tap you into the greatest joy you've ever experienced in your life and let me just say this I'm going to wrap up with a couple of final thoughts here that is this this is why it's so important you understand how unique we all are it is so important because I can't tell you how many people in church I've seen get offended Because everybody else wasn't as passionate about what they were passionate about. And I can't tell you how many people I've seen offended and I've even seen people leave the church. Because they couldn't figure out why everybody else wasn't as passionate about what they were passionate about. Because I'm passionate about the thing that is the will of God. And they were right. They were 100% passionate about the thing that was the will of God for their life. But it wouldn't the will of God for every life. And if everybody was passionate about the things you're passionate about, then guess what? God wouldn't need you. <laughs> but God does need you. Because he's put a unique gift and a unique passion in your heart to do things and reach people and help people that sets you apart for his glory. So don't ever get frustrated because everybody else doesn't have your passion. Get excited that God has chosen you to carry the mantle. And do something that maybe nobody else is doing. And recognize that if you stay faithful, God will build what God always establishes. Amen? So let's talk about three questions as we close today. Three questions that help you identify your passion or your heart. For the sake of time, I'm going to let you read the scripture when you get home, but let's look at this. First question is what makes you sad? What makes you sad? Nehemiah chapter 1, Nehemiah hears about the destruction of Jerusalem, and the Bible says that Nehemiah begins to weep and fast and pray for many days. Let me ask you the question today what makes you weep and fast and pray? What is it that breaks your heart? What grieves you? Is it homelessness? Is it addiction? Is it divorce? Is it the lack of education among children? Is it illiteracy? Is it the fact that people are dying and going to hell? What is it that makes you sad? What causes you to fast and pray and grieve before the Lord? What breaks your heart? Because what breaks your heart is a good indicator of the divine shape that God has given you. Because this is what I've recognized. Everybody doesn't weep over the same things. And the fact that you're weeping over it and praying for it and fasting and petitioning God on behalf of that specific thing is an indicator that you have a divine shape that demands respect and needs to be leaned into. The second question is flip the coin. What makes you sad now? What makes you glad? In 3 John, the Apostle John says this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Let me ask you, what makes you joyful? What makes you want to throw a party? What makes you shout and dance and do your little happy dance and celebrate who Jesus is? What is it that makes you glad? I can tell you what makes me sad. What makes me sad is seeing Christians live defeated lives. When the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and you walk around being bound by sin and defeated and overcome by by the wiles of the enemy, that grieves my heart. And you know what makes me glad to see people walk in truth? It makes me glad to see people find freedom in Christ. It makes me glad to see people begin to step into their divine purpose and power and begin to do the things that God has called them to do. And the last question is what makes you mad? Jesus went in the temple, the Bible says, and he saw the money changers, and he made a whip of cords, and he drove them out of the house of God. And he said, why have you turned my father's house into a den of thieves when it's supposed to be a house of prayer? And then the Bible says this, the disciples remembered the Scripture that says zeal for God's house, passion for God's house would consume him. Jesus got mad. What makes you mad? What makes you willing to fight? What makes you willing to go the extra mile? What makes you willing to stay up late and get up early and do whatever you got to do and give all you got to give and pay all you got to pay to bring an end to that injustice that's happening in the world? What is it that makes you mad? Because what makes you sad, what makes you glad, and what makes you mad reveals the divine shape of your heart. God has uniquely fashioned you for His glory. And it's not an accident that you're gifted the way you're gifted, and it's not an accident that your passions are what they are. The question is, are you going to use them for the glory of God? Are you going to submit them at the feet of Jesus and say, God, I want to take my gifts and my passion that you gave me, and I want to use them for your glory? I want us just to bow our heads today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And I want to just challenge you, if you're here today and you're a Christian and you you know without a shadow of a doubt, Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. I want to challenge you to do two things. The first thing I want to challenge you to do is, is not let this message lie here. I want you to take it home. I want you to take home this message. I want you to begin to process these truths in your life and really begin to seek the Lord. Say, God, I thank you, Lord. I want to praise you that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God, I want to praise you that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And I want, to, I want my divine shape to bring you glory. So God, give me clarity. God give me clarity. I want to challenge you to do that. Let's take some time this week and say, Lord, give me clarity. Help me to recognize the gifts that you've given me. Help me to recognize the passion that's in my heart. Answer the questions. Do the work. You won't be disappointed. The second thing I want to challenge you to do, if you're here today and you're a Christian, if you've never taken our connection track, we have a three-step connection track that we offer starting the first Sunday of every month. It starts today at 11 o'clock in our cafe. And our connection track is designed to help you discover your divine shape. We talk about three things. How do you, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to discover your purpose and what does it mean to make a difference. And we want to help you recognize your spiritual gifts. We want to help you understand the unique personality that you have. And we want to help you tap into the heart that God has given you. And we want to connect you to an area of ministry where you can begin to utilize your gifts and your passion to make a difference. And if you've never attended our Connection Track today, I want to encourage you to sign up today or just hang out for a few minutes and slip into our cafe at 11 o'clock today. And we would love to welcome you today to be a part of that three-week journey. Now, the last thing I want to do today, if you're here or you're watching me online today, is simply this. Maybe you realize this morning, Jesus Christ is not Lord of your life. I've been talking about God's purpose and God's plan and living your life for His glory. And maybe you realize today, Pastor Keith, I can't live my life for God's glory because I've never given God my life. I'm living for my glory. I'm doing my own thing. And I realize that right now I'm separate from God. I've never been born again. That's what Jesus called it. He said, you must be born again. We have a lot of Christian words, salvation, that we use to talk about being saved, experiencing salvation, accepting Christ. But at the end of the day, It's simply about acknowledging that you're a sinner and that Jesus is the only one that can save you. It's about giving him lordship of your life, which simply means I'm going to give you ownership, Lord. I'm going to to sign the title deed of my heart over to you, God. And I'm going to let you take me and make me what you've created me to be. So if you're here this morning in the room or watching online, you say, Pastor Keith, I've never done that, but today I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Right now, I just want you to slip your hand up. I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. Just slip your hand up all across this building. Slip your hand up online. Just hit that hand emoji. Type in that chat box. I'm raising my hand. Then this is the day of salvation, the Bible says. And now's the appointed time. I want to pray this prayer right now this morning with those that have raised their hands. I want to ask everybody just to say it out loud with me right now. Let's say it together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And rose again on the third day. I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. If you prayed that prayer this morning, welcome to the family. We love you. We're honored to be with you. And uh, I pray that you have a great day in the Lord. And again, if you want to attend Connection Tracks, step one today, it'll begin in about 10 minutes in our cafe, and we'd love to have you. God bless you. You are dismissed.